بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقية الله في العربين جل الله تعالى فرد الشريف اللهم أخرجني من ظلمات الوان وأكرمني من نور الفهم اللهم افتح علينا أرواب رحمتك وانشر علينا خزانا ومنك برحمتك يا أحمى الراحم In the previous session we talked about different types of ethical studies uh, We said there are three major types One is descriptive ethics That is where you try to come up with an account of some individuals or some groups or tribes or nations or religions morality. The method here is not philosophical. The method is something suitable for historical or anthropological or textual studies. If you want to study the morals or moral system of a person, like Socrates or I don't know, or a bad person like Hitler, okay? You don't say, is this good or bad? Is this right or wrong? That's another issue. When you want to give a report, a description of what was his moral system, you have to make sure that you present it as it was. We are not concerned with being good or bad, being right or wrong. Okay? Or if you want to, for example, describe morality of a group, like Eskimos. So you have to either go there and observe yourself or interview them when they are, for example, in any other place, or read about them. So, you are not judging. You just want to understand and come up with a report. So this is descriptive. The second is normative ethics. And we said that in normative ethics, we want to understand what is right, what is wrong, based on reason and rational argument. I am not here doing my job properly if I just quote or if I just refer to interviews or I don't know to personalities. Here the question is what is right, what is wrong in reality? For example, we want to see is abortion morally right or morally wrong? Okay? In this type of a study, normative study, you are trying to find out the criteria by which you can judge. So you should have a theory which explains what is right, what is wrong in general, and then you try to apply it to this case like abortion. Is abortion good or bad? It needs a theory. 
it needs a basis, it needs a foundation, and you have to be able to argue for that. Uh, this is normative ethics. And then we said there is a third, which is called meta-ethics or analytic ethics, and that is where the questions are still intellectual, rational, but they are more fundamental. In the second type of study, normative study, you ask what makes an action right, what makes an action bad or wrong. Here, the question is, what is right? The concept of right, the concept of wrong, the concept of good, the concept of bad. What do they mean? How we come to these concepts? There are questions which are very fundamental. Like, for example, whether moral values are relative or not. Whether we can draw out from ease or not. How we can come with a knowledge, a ma'rifah in akhlaq, in ethics. These are very fundamental questions which altogether relate to epistemology of ethics, to logic and ethics, to relation between ethics and other fields. For example, what is the difference between ethics and law? Between akhlaq and fiqh, what is the difference? This is what we need to discuss here in Metaethics. How a person becomes morally responsible. So this is something that we discuss here. So, these are three types of studies. We said that the second and the third both are intellectual, are based on rational argument, and therefore we are happy, as some people suggested, to use the term moral philosophy for both of them. But there are some people who use only moral philosophy for the third, for meta-ethics. And for the second, they don't use more. But we mean by moral philosophy, both of them. Then, we said that when we want to study Islamic ethics, we can do one of the two, and hopefully both of them, but at least you can do one of the two. Sometimes you want to understand what Islam says about certain actions or certain characteristics. What is Islamic view about abortion? What is Islamic view about telling lies? Okay? What is Islamic view about keeping one's promises? Here, if you want to understand what is Islamic view about this, you refer to the sources. If you are a person who himself has proper training and has the skills, you go back to the main sources, to original sources. You go to the Quran and Hadith. If you are not a scholar, you refer to the views of the scholars. Of course, even scholars need to refer to the views of the scholars, but not as the reference, as 
just for the sake of understanding and checking whether my understanding, you know, is sound or not, what my predecessors have, you know, understood from the same text. Otherwise, every uh, great scholar should be able to make his judgment based on the primary sources. So, here you refer to the Quran, to the Hadith, to the views of the scholars, and say, according to Islam, abortion is wrong. Okay? Why, if someone says, why, you quote Quran and Hadith? Who can be convinced by quotation from Quran and Hadith? A person who is a Muslim. Okay? So, you can be a non-Muslim who knows what Islam says about some subject, and then a non-Muslim asks you and you convince him. It's possible. Yeah? Maybe there is a non-Muslim who knows very much about our traditions. So he says that Islamically, abortion is not right. Maybe a Muslim doesn't know. He can say, look, this is Hadith. This is Quran. This is views of the great scholars. <coughs> so here it's just a matter of making sure that you have proper understanding of that tradition. You are not arguing and you are not necessarily accepting. You are not necessarily agreeing. Yeah? I can talk about, for example, another religion. Or I can, you know, talk about a person that... I may not have any sympathy with. Here, my job is to be very objective, not to be biased, and give a, you know, an accurate and honest report. So, sometimes when we study Islamic ethics, we are just trying to find what is the position of Islam, either according to the primary sources or according to the secondary sources, about this issue. But sometimes we want to back up our position by rational argument. So I say that in Islam, what makes an action good is, for example, the impact that that action has on human self-development, on human flourishment, on nearness to God. I want to argue, and then I should be able to argue how that action leads to this result. Or, for example, you know, I say we believe that moral values are universal, not relative. We should be able to argue. So this is Islamic moral philosophy, Islamic ethics in the sense of moral philosophy, intellectual discourse. So we can have both, and we need actually both. The first is good for the people who are already Muslims. The second is good to be able to communicate Islamic view to other people. And also to be able to deepen your understanding of the text. Why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُ بِالْعَدْلِ وَالْإِحْسَانِ وَإِيْتَائِذِ الْقُرْبَةِ This is a person who has studied ethics properly, his understanding of inna Allah ya'mur bil adl wal ihsan is different from a person who has just studied 
the text. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, La yajrimannakum shana'anu qawman ala alla ta'adalu. Do not let your hostility towards some people make you unjust. I'adalu, be just even with your enemies. If you have studied ethics, the philosophical ethics, you understand how important is this instruction and how this forms one of the pillars of Islamic ethics, justice, is a pillar. <coughs> so it's better to have both, but at least we need to have an accurate account of descriptive Islamic ethics, at least, but hopefully we should have both. So now what I want to do is to give you a little idea about different views among philosophers on how some action becomes right, becomes wrong, becomes good, becomes bad, so that when we want to understand Islamic position, we know where we stand. So I give you as you know, kind of a spectrum of different views, and then inshallah we will try to understand Islamic position. And after we understand this general framework, as I said before, inshallah we try to delve into Islamic descriptive ethics, and then inshallah, maybe from next year, if Allah gives us tawfiq and life, then we go to more philosophical discussions. So with your, inshallah, advancement in your studies, we go also to other types of discussion. There are many different ways to classify ethical theories. You can classify them according to their meta-ethical ideas. You can classify them according to what? Their normative ideas. Now our concern is normative ethics. So we want to see what makes an action good or bad. There are three major views. If you understand this, then it will help you, inshallah, for the rest of discussion. Okay? There are three major theories in normative ethics. One theory is called teleological view. Teleological view, not theology. Teleological. Teleo, yeah. It's T-E-L-E. Because we have theology, which comes from teos. Teos means God. But this comes from telos. And telos means end. End. In Arabic, we say gaya. Gaya. Yeah, al So, teleological view is the theory, is the view, which says an action is good based on its end. In other words, an action is good 
when it leads to a good outcome. So how you measure goodness or badness of action? You look at the outcome, the result. Don't say this is obvious. No, this is not obvious because there are people who disagree with this. There are three views. When you listen to all of them, then you realize why you know some people have chosen this and why not. So, a good action is the action which leads to a good outcome, good result. You may say, but this is circular because you are defining good by bringing good in the definition. You say a good action is the action which leads to a good result. It's like, for example, if you ask me what is yellow, I say yellow is the color that every yellow car has. So I haven't defined yellow, I have brought again yellow in the definition. Yeah? If someone says, what is Islam? I say, Islam is the religion that every person who believes in Islam has. This is circular. Yeah? This is not a proper definition. In logic, in mantiq, uh, you study, you know, the requirements for a good, you know, ta'rif, for a good, you know, definition. One of them is that it shouldn't be circular. Yeah? And also the definition should be more known to us than what is defined. So, is this a circular definition? We say a good action is the action which leads to a good result. The answer is no. Don't rush in your judgment. This is not circular. What we mean by good in the first instance is different from what we mean by good in the second instance. An action is good, we mean morally good. When it leads to a good result here, we don't mean morally good result. We mean a result which is good in reality. No, no. Something which produces a good which is definable outside moral framework. So in other words, you have certain ideals that you define. For example, imagine a person says for me the ultimate end is welfare. For this person, every action that leads to prosperity, people being better off, is good. So, what is an action which is morally good? An action which can lead to welfare, prosperity, financial stability, and so on and so forth. How do you understand whether this has produced welfare and prosperity or not, this has nothing to do with akhlaq. This is something real, something objective. We can measure it outside akhlaq. So, we say an action 
in akhlaq becomes good when it can lead to that ideal that end that we have defined for ourselves as the basis of akhlaq and not as something inside akhlaq okay whether you choose your ultimate end welfare or anything else that inshallah i will mention this is not something that you decided in ethics you decide this outside ethics this is your world view okay so first you choose for yourself few ideals or one ideal you choose for yourself ends which finally lead to an ultimate end and then you come to akhlaq and say this action leads to this good end so it is good this action doesn't lead to a good end it leads to for example poverty so this is bad okay so for those who believe in the teleological view an action is good when it leads to a good result and the first good means morally good the second means not morally good means really good something which is decided and understood and measured outside ethics outside akhlaq so it's not a matter of judging it's not a matter of normative okay and in contrast an action is bad or wrong when it leads to something which is against your ideals it leads to a bad result it damages the good things that you want or brings bad things which contradict those things okay so this is the teleological view the second view inshallah we come back to this to explain that here also there are different sub views but first let me give you general idea of the three major views the second view is called deontological view deo d e o n deontological view D E O N. It's uh, coming from duty. Duty. This is opposite to the first view. According to this view, an action is good regardless of its results. An action is good regardless of the outcomes. You know, inshallah, when you understand these theories, hopefully you would yourself be able to have a view. But even if you cannot have a view, at least then your mind becomes more sophisticated. So that with one lecture, people cannot change your mind. <laughs> you know that there are many, many issues. It's, it's not that, you know, someone gives one example, you know, and, you know, makes you emotional and then, you know, changes your mind. Everything has lots of things behind it, you know, and they are like tiles all you know connected you have to have a system this view which for a person who doesn't know other views and doesn't know the arguments for them may look very nice is the view of people like Kant Immanuel Kant they say an action is good regardless of the outcomes you have to tell the truth whether it is 
producing good for you, it brings good to you or not? If you are a shopkeeper, you should tell the truth to your clients. Whether you are losing or you are winning. If you say, I tell the truth to my customers so that they trust me. And when people trust me and I have a good reputation, more people come to me and they buy more from me. So I tell the truth so that I can increase my sale value. This is not akhlaq. This is not morality. Okay? What is this? He called this prudence. Prudence. P-R-U-D-N-C. This is what we call in Farsi, maslahat andishi. Okay? So you are looking for what is maslaha. If one day you realize that you don't need to tell the truth to attract clients and customers because they are so stupid that even if you tell lies, <laughs> still you can sell. So you don't tell the truth. If you are not acting out of morality and you are just driven by the outcome, the result, then you may not observe morality. So Kant was saying that this is not akhlaq, this is not ethics. In ethics, we have imperatives, instructions, which are categorical. You have to observe them in all circumstances. For you, the motive The intention should be not to gain or not to avoid loss. Should be doing something out of feeling your moral responsibility, out of moral obligation. If I tell you, why do you keep your promise? You should just say, because this is our moral duty. And when I know that something is my moral duty, I don't care whether it is good for me or bad for me. <coughs> I should do my duty. Okay? So this is very opposite to the first view. It has advantages, but later I will explain that it has also some disadvantages. The third view is what is known as virtue ethics. Virtue ethics. Virtue. Virtue. Fadila. Akhlaqul Fadila. Virtue. V I R T U E. Virtue ethics. Most of the 20th century great philosophers in the West either were believing in teleological view or deontological view, most of it. And actually, most of them in the West, among all the teleological views, they were either, you know, following utilitarianism, 
as we will explain a little bit later, or they were not teleological. They were deontological. So deontological view and one type of teleological view, which is interested in utility, like Bentham and other people, they were dominant. But gradually, in the second half of the 20th century, from 60s, 70s, there was a revival in a kind of Aristotelian approach to ethics, which gradually became known as virtue ethics. Virtue ethics. According to this theory, what is more important is virtue. And an action is good when it's coming out of a virtue. So first, the quality of generosity is important. And then an action is good like giving charity because it fits into generosity. So the main thing is qualities. You remember when I was talking about the subject matter of ethics, I said there are two things. One is action, one is traits of character. And some people have only focused on the action. But we believe both are important. So virtue ethics is highlighting the role of qualities of the soul and action is receiving secondary attention. Okay? <coughs> now let's go back to the television. Those who believe that an action is good if it leads to a good result, good outcome, they themselves disagree on two issues. So therefore they are divided. One is, what do you mean by good end? Here there are different opinions. Some people say a good end is Something material, like what? Like welfare, like security and peace. For some people, these are the most important. For some people, pleasure is the most important thing. Anything which leads to pleasure. For some people, self-realization. When you have potentials and you actualize your potentials, is the most important thing. <coughs> For some people, happiness, which is as, you know, not exactly as pleasure. pleasure. One type of pleasure can be happiness as we mean. Felicity, happiness, sa'ada. Or for example, nearness to God. This can be the good end. We do everything in order to get nearer to God. So people can have different views about what is their end. And based on that, they judge. For example, if you want to see whether abortion is good or bad, and you have teleological view, okay? So, how you can understand whether abortion is good or bad? 
You should study the outcomes. Okay, now we want to study the outcomes. How can we say an outcome is good or bad? The only time we can say when we have our ideal fixed. For example, if for me only welfare is important, so I say if we have less number of people, less population, it's better. So let people, you know, do abortion so that the number of human beings is reduced. So it's a good thing because we will have more, you know, resources, more jobs, you know. And if you believe that, no. For example, we have to do something in order to let human beings achieve their potentials and you know develop themselves then we have to see whether abortion is good for mother whether it's good for father or what about the right of the child as a human being so there are so many other discussions can get involved if we are concerned about nearness to god that it is different so based on what is your ideal or ideals you can decide whether this is leading to good outcome or not, and then you can say whether this is good or bad. So it's not that everyone who is teleological would make the same judgment. They can make different judgments. Okay? So one reason for the people who believe in teleological view to be divided is what? The end. How they define good end. A second reason for their division is to whom that good end should belong. An action is good when it leads to a good result for whom? For me, the doer, the agent, or for a person who is other than me, or for everyone. So there are three views. Some people say you should only be concerned with yourself. Okay? This is egoism. Of course, this egoism, uh, it has some forms <coughs> that uh, even some Muslim or many Muslim philosophers accept. I will explain it. It's not very easy. Egoism is different from selfishness in the sense that we use. Every person should try to do the best thing for himself or herself. Okay? You do the best for yourself. This is called egoism. The second view is altruism. You should do what is the best for others, for another person, maybe one person, maybe few people, but they are different from you. They say akhlaq is to do something for other people, not to do for yourself. <coughs> yeah? I give you water. Why? Because you are thirsty. So, I didn't do anything good for myself. I did something good for you. Yeah? But those who are egoists, they say no. In one level, you have done good to them, but in a deeper level, you have done something good for yourself. When you give, 
charity, you are doing good to yourself more than you do to another person. Okay, so there are lots of discussions here. So altruists, they say what is good has to have good outcomes for others, not for yourself. Akhlaq is to deny yourself, according to altruists. Akhlaq is to forget yourself. Okay? Altruists. Altruist. Altruist. Altruism is the theory, and altruists are those who believe up. Then the third is universalism. According to universalists here, universalism here is maybe different uh, in other cases. Here we mean by universalist, a person who believes that an action is good, but it brings good outcome for everyone. You don't need to deny yourself. You are also part of everyone. You are also important, but you are not more important than other people. So when you want to do something, you should see which action is better for more people. You count as one person. Altruists say you don't count. You are not important. Akhlaq is not to think about yourself. Okay? Egoists say you are the only one who matters. And if you are doing something good for others, again, it is because it is good for you. To be charitable, to be kind, to be loving, to be merciful, to be forgiving, all these things are good for yourself. But universalists say you should see what is better for greater number of people. Okay? For greater number of people. You are also one of them. Yeah, including. So, if I can do something that I benefit, or I can do something that 10 other people benefit, which one is better? The second is better. Because 10 people, in contrast to me, if I can do something that I benefit or two people benefit, again, I give preference to two people. But if I can do something that either I benefit or another person benefit, according to them, there is no priority. You can do what is good for yourself. You can do what is good for you. There is no, there is no you know, negativity if you do for yourself. Or for example, we are one million people from certain tribe. And there is another tribe with one million people. We don't need to do anything good for them. We do something good for ourselves. Because our number is equal. So what is important is that more human beings should benefit. But whether it's you or other person, it's not different. But according to the altruist, you should not count yourself, your people, your tribe, your family. You should consider others. I don't know if you see this point. Sometimes other means another individual. Sometimes other means another group. For example, what should I do? 
between me and my brother and sister, between me and my father and mother. Here, who is other? My brother, my sister, my father, my mother, my wife, my husband, yeah? But sometimes we, as one family, what should we do with our neighbor? Here, other is the neighbor. So sometimes your wife, your husband is other, but sometimes is self, okay? So if you are egoist, you are concerned about yourself, but self can be one person, or in some cases, self can be my group, my tribe, or my fellow religious people. For example, we as Muslims, if we are egoist, we do only something which is good for Muslims. If we are altruist, we do something which is good for non-Muslims. And if we are universalist, we do something which is good for more people. Maybe some Muslims, some non-Muslims, but more people. Okay? So, what is the Islamic view about this? This needs more discussion and unfortunately our time has come to an end. But I just say something, you think about it. In Islam, for sure, selfishness has no place. In the sense that you want to bring all the good things to yourself and either deny people's rights or ignore. Even ignoring rights of people is not good, Islamically. Okay? I cannot say I don't bother about people's rights. I cannot bother about their prosperity. I don't bother about their happiness. No. But at the same time, I cannot say I don't bother about my own happiness. I don't bother about my life, about my faith, about my family. No. Both of them are important. This is one point. The second point is that there are two ways to be concerned with your interests. Sometimes you are concerned with your short-term interest. You want to gain something quickly. Sometimes you are concerned with your long-term interest. If I am thirsty and there is only one cup of water, if I am interested in my short-term interest, then I say I should drink this cup of water myself. Because I'm thirsty. Why I should give it to other people? But if I am thinking of my interest, but in a more you know, broadened vision, with a better understanding, in a long term, I say, although I am thirsty, I offer this water to another person who is thirsty. Again, I am concerned about my interest, but I know that my interest comes from akhlaq, from offering, from kindness. Okay? So, I am not ignoring my own goodness, but I am seeing my goodness in giving and not keeping. You understand? So, when we say you should be concerned with yourself, it doesn't mean that you are ignore, you know, a selfish person that wants everything for himself. No. It means that you want to be improving. You want to be better and better and better. But the way to be better is to observe the need of other people, you know, to help them, to forgive them. Okay? So, who is the best person for himself or herself? The one who is just keeping everything for himself or the one who is generous, the one who is helpful. Okay? In between. 
even for example if you give your life in order to help people for example you are a firefighter and you give your life for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to save people okay have you lost have you harmed yourself no because you have given your life to help people but by giving your life you have gained something greater okay so this is not selfishness and at the same time this is not denial of your own interest think about this so that inshallah we discuss next session what is the islamic view are we teleological or deontological or uh, virtuatics or if we are any of them which type of them وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين.